Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, the Renault Dealer of the Year and most Google-reviewed dealership in Ireland. For award-winning customer service you can trust, visit us today. Blackstone Motors, drive with peace of mind. 041-983-1100. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Well, I'm ready to belt me braces here. I don't know where this is going, but just to remind you, we're on Facebook Live if you want to join us, and I'll tell you why. It just wouldn't be Christmas if my first guest today wasn't treading the boards, celebrating 30 years in show business, and on the cusp of a significant birthday next year, (laughs) June Rogers, the doyenne of pantomime, returns with yet another wonderful Christmas show at a brand new venue. Oh, and it's sad to say she's not here today. Only oh, joking. Yeah. Oh, yes, she is. <laughs> Good afternoon. How are you, Scary? Oh, great, June. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Do you know what I'm going to tell you? What? I'm thrilled to meet you today. Oh, thank you very much. Because I remember the first time I saw you, oh, we're all showing the old age here, okay. with Gabo on the telly. Was I that know. the big break on it, TV for it, you? Well, it would have been, apart from Tops of the Town, um, when uh, that's where I started, but Gabe Burns yes um, I went in for talent competition all those years ago over 30 years ago and um, Gay Byrne was there the night of the final and by the following Friday I was on the Late Late Show and it was the most terrifying night of my life because this was live television there was no safety net you know um, yes so yeah I don't know how I got through it but I got through it <laughs> you certainly did and I know after that the phone did really it start really did. ringing didn't it it did it business did. picked up and away yeah. you went from there so look from there I know you became a national star <laughs> what was your first pan to mine. Oh, the first one was Cinderella. Myself and Eileen Reid in the Gaiety Panto and Eileen was just, she was just so lovely to work with because I'd never, I'd never thought I'd be in the Gaiety, like on the stage. Yes. Because as a child, my mother would bring me there. Yeah. You know, that was our big Christmas who, who treat. Who did you go to see? Was it Maureen Potter? Maureen Potter would oh. have been, of course, everybody went to see Maureen. Yes. My mother would bring us into Cleary's first and she'd buy you something in there and then you'd go up and you'd look at um, the window in Switzer's because that was a huge like we didn't see that in our yeah. day nowadays the kids see it every day mm. all those lights and all that kind of stuff but Christmas was the only time that you saw something animated like that in a window and then it was off to see Maureen Potter you know? well you know you mentioned Eileen there and can I tell you something she's part of the history of this radio station really? because she presented a show in the very early days of LMFM radio oh really she did oh, she was a that. presenter on this station so there yeah. you are a little link there yes Eileen and I were um, the two ugly sisters well I, Eileen was the ugly one I was oh, yeah. I was the good looking one um, but Charlotte and Scarlett are 
our names were and it was just it was just brilliant because she was the tall skinny one and the hair was right up in a big beehive of course that, that was her that was Eileen uh, and the, I was a short fat one with the, with the ringlets and I used to have a little hairy mole that we used to st- uh, stick on the face every day because the ugly sister and as the weeks ago by it was getting longer and longer and on the last day it was down like didn't need <laughs> to your belly waist. button <laughs> With a bow on it, you know. <laughs> but we had a fantastic time. So that's where it all began. And so many pantos followed for you at the yes. Gaiety, the yes. Olympia. Olympia yes. And you've moved all around with them. Yes. Can I put you on the spot? If You, you mentioned Cinderella being your first yes. role there yes, and yes, that yes, in, yes. in that pantomime. Your favourite pantomime character of all time that you've played? I think it has to be Charlotte and Scarlett. Really? It was the first pantomime. I think it was. I think it was the whole team that was there. Pat Kinavan was Dandini. Frank Mackey from Cork was Buttons. Alex Sharp was Cinderella. And do you know what? She was the most beautiful Cinderella because she had the innocence about her. Mm. And that's what it's all about. Because as children come to see this pantomime, it has to be wonderful. And I remember we actually cried um, at the first half when you know, when the carriage is going off and they had this little, as the curtain was coming in, they had a little minute, um, I don't know how they did it, little carriage on the black cloth, on the back cloth going yes. out and you could see her going off to the, going off to the ball. And she was there with her seven or eight, big just you know. <laughs> you know, when you say you went with your mother and Maureen Potter and those memories of being in the audience and then being up on that stage, it must be something else to feel that connection with the children. You know, when you make that. And listen, it's just unbelievable the buzz you get from mm. it. You know, and as I always say, to be in this business, first of all, you have to be half mad. But anyway, because it does help. But you get such a kick out. But I don't think there's any other job that you get that kick mm. when you get that response back from the audience, you know. You've done big screen, small screen, radio. You've travelled widely. Is there's still nothing to beat that live scenario on no, the stage I think it has to be the live performance because you get that feedback and I think when especially when a pantomime or it's your own show I did lots of corporate stuff over the years and the thing is I found the difference between corporate and people come to see your show is that people out of corporate aren't paying to see you so actually the people when they don't have to pay for anything a lot of the time they don't appreciate it and corporate gigs can and I don't think any comic in the world can say that they never had a bad night we've all had bad nights um, but the corporate gigs I found them quite hard because you know you go and you, you, you're told you're going on at nine o'clock something happens or the dinner goes on it could be 12 o'clock you're going on that night and that is a kind of mm-mm, you know and then you beat yourself up going home all the way in the car going maybe if I did this it could have been better or whatever you know but um, no the live performance is definitely yeah you strike me and always have as being such a funny lady were you <laughs> always like that growing up as a child was this you were you outgoing well I was um, I was a bit of a messer I suppose you know I suppose growing up my, my parents and I suppose my family everybody had like there was always a party in the house you know my mother would be making the egg and onion sandwiches and the, the cream sponge and everyone come around they might have an old gin and tonic or something like that but everyone had a party piece so everybody told a story and all that and that's what people did to entertain themselves all those years ago um, so I think that's how it started and then on a Sunday we go um, for a drive and my mother and father would sing um, in the front of the car and my father would be driving with one hand because he'd be trying to clatter the two of us because we'd be killing myself and Linda, my sister, in the back. Um, but I think that's how I got the love of it. You know, and my mum and dad had a good sense of humour as well. Yes. Yeah. They passed 
on very, relatively yes, young, didn't very they? Very young. Yeah. Yeah, mum was only 57 and dad was only 63. Oh my God. Yeah, the two of them died very sudden from uh, massive heart attacks. Yeah. Cheapers tonight. I know. And, and, and you were home here at that stage because I know when you finished up your schooling and that, you went to London for a few years I to did, work. I did, yeah. I, loved, I went to London to work in the London Tara Hotel oh, in Kensington. Very suave. No, it wasn't. You were, you were cleaning, you were making 32 beds a day. <laughs> and sure, at home, I wouldn't make my own bed. And I went away there. But you know what? I grew up because at home, you see, you were molly coddled at home. Your mother was cooking your dinner and doing your washing and you didn't appreciate it but actually when you go away you do realise actually I have to do it Mammy's not there to do it for you and I met a great bunch of people and of course the London Tower at that stage was owned by Aer Lingus so a lot of the people working there were Irish mm. so and to this day and that's now 38 years ago I'm still in contact with some of the girls that I worked with which is fantastic isn't that brilliant yeah. it just shows yeah. you the camaraderie yeah. you developed at, yeah. at that stage now I, I jumped on a bit because I do want to remind listeners about something a very famous man in the music business went to school with you a very famous lady didn't he he was uh, Paul Paul something <laughs> Paul that fella Paul I can't think of his name do you know him he's an old nickname now and I think he <laughs> you plays who? an odd song you, you what? who How? why when what <laughs> You did go to school with Bono, didn't you? I did, yeah. Well, listen, we were only we were only hormonal teenagers at that stage. <laughs> you know, he hadn't made it um, at that stage. You know, but yeah, like we were in the we were in the same class together. Mm. And isn't it amazing? How isn't it? You know, what was he like? He was actually he was like the rest of us. He was just normal, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I wasn't normal, but I mean, he was just <laughs> he was just you know. Uh, normal kind yeah. of teenage guy. Yeah. He didn't kind of stand out as such, you know. He wasn't right. He wasn't in trouble with the teachers mm. or anything like that. You know, that kind of one. Mm. He wasn't put out in the mat, as they say. Were you? Yeah, probably. I spent <laughs> most of my childhood on the mat. <laughs> <laughs> well, did, did, did you meet him in life subsequently? Did, did you come a- yes, I did meet him a few times, yeah, since. And, and did uh, he remember you from school? Yeah, he remembered me, of course, because I was the messer in the class, of course. Right. You know. He was a good but boy. He was the good boy. I yeah. see, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love Lovely, lovely, and a, a real strong connection with a very famous man, of course. But look at the fame you have in your own right. And, you know, back from London you came, your parents, and you were at home when they passed at a young age. Yeah. And then you went to work with Fujitsu, the was Fujitsu, it? Fujitsu, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when um, my mum and dad had moved to British, and my mum, I was only home a few months when mum died suddenly after Christmas. Um, so I was working in this place called Fujitsu Microelectronics, which was, you're working, looking down a microscope all day at my, uh, microchips, examining all this kind of stuff. Very exciting stuff. Fascinating. <laughs> um, but actually, that's what got me into the business because Fujitsu took part in the John Player Tops. And that's how I got started then, because just for something to do, I decided to go in. Um, and get involved. So um, I was swaying in the back row for about six months. That's what I was doing. And then they actually gave us a few little arm movements as well. (laughs) Well, you know, it's maturing, it's maturing. Well, I I thought I was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Um, But anyway, as the years went by, then I started to meet, and that's where I met Tom Roach. Right, and this is a man who's played and did play a significant part in your life. Because, um, of course, Tom wrote the first Jacintha O'Brien. Yes. And uh, and now I was already doing a child character in Tops, you know, uh, with I I had done different shows with different like teachers in um, uh, Parnell Square and St. Thomas's in Jobstown and St. Brendan's in Coolock. And I kind of stuck with the smaller groups. I was, well, I was never asked into. 
they never asked me into the bigger group, so they didn't. But anyway, <laughs> oh, listen, no. I, I was I was happy enough with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just by fluke, as I say. Um, I met Tom, and he had seen one of the characters, and he said, "I've written this thing, the Fesh," and he said, "I'd love you to do it," and it just took off. They could actually, they could. Everybody knew, and everybody knows a Jacintha in their life. There was always someone in school. There's some wagon in school you hate it, you know. And she was always teacher's pet, and you know all that kind of stuff. Perfect. Um, so everybody could relate to her, you know, yes. that kind of way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it all took off from there. But the tops, going back to the tops, there are tops lots of people great. listening today yeah. who remember tops of the brilliant. town very well, wasn't it, was it? I thought it was brilliant, and you know what? I think it was brilliant training ground for a lot of people, and I learned my trade from that too, because you had to, you know, you had to arrive on time, you had to look after yourself, you had to have your lines off, you had to have your steps off, you had to, you know, be disciplined to do it. Mm. And it's like any job, you have to be disciplined when you're doing that kind of thing. I think a lot of, you know, I, I see a lot of these, you know, reality TV programs now and these kids are getting up and they're singing one song and as soon as they finish the song, somebody said you're a star. And, and that's that's not fair for a lot of kids because, you know, their expectations are so high. And it's, it's a hard business because everybody wants to get out there and they want to have a number one you yes. know, I was going to say records. I'm really showing my age now, but you know what I mean. Ah, oh, hey, yeah. it's still a record in it's my a record. book. Yeah, absolutely. What else is it? <laughs> what? I can't call it anything else. They haven't put any. Well, well, actually, the LPs are all back in again now, aren't they? They are. Yeah. The vinyls are flying. The vinyls. They really mm. are. They've taken off. People are buying record players, and uh, yeah. they're discovering <laughs> what real, real good quality sounding music actually yes, is absolutely. like from from yeah. the vinyl. I, I still as well. have all my LPs have from you? the seventies and eighties. You really? Carol King and all that, Neil Young and all that. I told this story before. I'm going to tell it again while you're here. My daughter Sarah, she'll kill me for this, but when she was smaller, we went to the attic one day, and I have some albums up there as well. Yeah. And so you see a child. We took them down, and I could see her taking this thing. Because she'd never seen a record. Because, you know, she's from the CD era yes, and now downloads yes, and yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. She takes this album out and she looks at it. And says, Dad, it's the biggest CD I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> she didn't know. You know, it's, it just shows you know, the generational thing on that know, as well. But it is all back. Um, you have a new show, I know, coming, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. Yeah. And Jacinta O'Brien, she could be here, might she? You'd never know. She no, might- she's not allowed in because she's a wagon. <laughs> I, she, she's here, honestly. The alter ego is here as well. Isn't she just great? June Rogers, she's the doyen of Christmas and pantomime, is my special guest on Late Lunch. If you want to say anything to her today, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text, or you can call in now on 1850-715-958. More from June and Jacinta in a few moments. June Rogers, a.k.a. Jacinta O'Brien, is with me on Late Lunch this very afternoon. Are you different out of character? Like, may I? I'm going to answer my okay. own question. Okay. No, you know you're not. You're the same. Well, I listen, we have a normal life. You yeah. couldn't go around now talk, talking like that all the time. <laughs> you know, it's like I've swallowed a helium balloon or something like that. But listen, I have a very normal life. I'm, mm. I'm very content with my life. I'm, I'm married to Peter 21 years and we have our doggies at home and our, our frogs in the pond and our birds and all that kind of stuff. We we lead, we lead a very normal life. Um, I'm not really into, you know, the opening nights or that kind of thing. I would actually prefer to go and see a show maybe when it's settled down a bit and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but no, I'm very content with 
with what I've achieved yes. over the years. Like there isn't anything to say, oh, I want to go to Hollywood or anything like that. No, I'm, I'm quite happy where, where I am now. But you are funny. You are yeah. engaging. You are so warm. Noel Alderson has been on to us and I say hello to Noel this afternoon. He said Noel. you're the most warm, lovely ah, lady. Isn't that nice? And he met you in Dundalk he, recently at a show there. That's right. Um, yes, I remember Noel. I do. Um, yes, I went to see a lovely show uh, which musical director, of course, who is my musical director is Patrick Dunn. A Dundalk lad. A Dundalk, and, and Therese, of course, his lovely wife. Yes. And uh, they invited me up one night and we had a fantastic uh, night. Um, uh, such wonderful talent. Mm. Um, he had of, of, uh, talented singers that were on the stage that night. Yes, yes. So she remembers it, Nolan, remembers you as well. Thanks indeed for the message this afternoon. Um your innuendo is brilliant. It's always yeah. been your forte. And you've yes. never had to go to that other side no. of the blue stuff no. or that. Never. No, no. no. Uh, listen, I, I'm not approved, Janie. I'm not approved by any, you know, uh, by, by any, what's the word? Stretch of the imagination or stuff that's what, like that. No, you that's, know. E- that's, easy that okay? you, that's easy for you to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I meant to say. But I, I like, I, I'm, I'm not a prude. But I think when you have people, I think, I think as well for female comic, me personally, mm. and listen, there's other comics out there who do use language, or yes. and that's fine. But me personally, I wouldn't feel happy about going out and doing that. And I, do you know what? I think it's nicer when you don't say it. And they think, or they get the innuendo. Yes. And, and it's the adults that get the innuendo, and then the younger folk kind of going, "What does that mean?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that was, and I think as well, I was brought up in that era. I was born in the late fifties, so I, we like we had the sixties, seventies, and eighties of all this wonderful variety that was on our TV. Uh, TVs every weekend. Yes, you know the two Ronnies, Morecambe and Wise, Kenny Everett, Everett, Mike Yarwood, all those. You know, yeah. summertime special, the big variety shows. Yeah. You and that's name what, it. That's really do, do you do you look back on that era? era obviously, with fondness. But yeah. is is there a regret there now? Do you not think that's there anymore? Uh, no, I think people are hungry for it now, and I think it's starting to come back with the likes of like Anton Deck had this Ashton night. Yes, people are getting that kind of Britain's Got Talent. You know, they there is it's not just singing. There there are comedic pieces coming yeah. in now to it, which I think is great. There's dancing, which is great. You can kind of get a bit of variety going there, and that you can see that families are now starting to watch this together, where for years it. They didn't, you know mm, what I mean? Mm, absolutely. I kind of think variety at one stage was kind of, it wasn't, it was kind of a dirty word that people went, oh no, no, that, that's not what we were into. They yeah. were into something yes. else at that but stage. But you said we only had one television and some people had only two channels. You're looking at the East Coast, we had access to I the know. BBC and UTV and as well. And you actually had to get up out of the chair to change the channel. You remember had, that? Remember you remember that? those days? I know. When you had to actually walk to the television <laughs> and press, and press the a button. button. Yeah. And then you were watching <laughs> snooker in black and white. Do you remember that, Annie's on the red I ball? I know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what? What colour ball is... Like, we remember those I days. Know, you know, great. it was so different. But I was saying to Louise, my producer, yesterday, I think I was at home Tuesday night doing a good bit of work actually for here, and I, I just had a flick across, and thank God I was busy, because, do you know, on all them 165 million channels I have I know, now... I know, There was nothing on. Yes, yes. And do you know what? I find that now, even with doing the show, I think people are so used to picking up a remote control, they're getting bored after three minutes. And in the show, what I try to do is I try to change the scene or the song, or the comedy piece within three, four minutes so that they're looking at something else. Yes. You know, the lighting has changed. Yeah. Because 
people's attention span is gone at this stage. You know what I mean? And I'm a bit like that as well. Well, I, I very seldom get the remote control at home because my husband is very much a rugby Good man, fan. Peter. Yeah. He's outside. <laughs> He's listening, I know. Good but, on you. But it's 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 the rugby or it's uh, yeah. like deadliest catch. I said, how many crabs can you actually get excited about? But they keep watching all oh, these truckers. How, how many trucks can you get excited about? But anyway, I suppose then I have my own. But um, th- there are certain nights when I go, do you know, I can't watch another rugby match or whatever. And I get the buttons. But I'm like that. When he actually goes out, I'm flicking. Yeah. I get bored. I don't know what I'm looking for, you know. <laughs> Oh my God. Well, look, it's changed times. It really is with yeah. TV and entertainment as well. And a lot has moved on. But I think some of the stuff you mentioned there, throwing back to Markham and Wise and things like yes, that, yeah. were really magical times. And you know what? They're still classics. Yes. Yeah. Today. You, you still watch them every year. Yeah. And at Christmas, they come back out again, you yeah. know. Now, not to say there's some brilliant talent. I'm just talking Peter Kay, like what a genius yes, that absolutely. man is and what he's yes, produced. Yes, yes, Darn, yes. So, some brilliance there. But we could do a little more of it. That's yes. what we're saying today. Hold on a second. I want something I want to say to you. Do you know Doctor Who is a woman now? You oh, do. really? I didn't Did you know hear that? that. No. The latest Doctor oh, Who is a woman. Right. So I thought about you coming here today and I have a proposition for you, <laughs> okay. June Rogers, today. Okay. <laughs> James Bond. Oh, yeah. The Spy Who Loafed Me. Was that, is that your latest one? The Man's Bond. <laughs> All of a Bond. Tough guy. <laughs> Could you be the first female Bond? Bond. Yeah, well, Money Penny would have to be a fella, though. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or, go on, go or, on, or, develop that a little. Yes, or I call her Spend a Penny. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. My old man was a tough guy, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Me, I me think... ma used to call him a man of mystery because a mystery to her why she ever married him. <laughs> So, look, it's just a thought that crossed my mind with you coming today. Um, What do you enjoy? You know, you mentioned you love going... You're not a premiere night lady and you don't want to be there. What do you love to go and see yourself? Uh, Well, what we do is, I suppose, we like going... Peter and I kind of would go out during the day. You know, we go out Mm. for a drive. We go to... Of course, I'm a bit of a, uh, a. I love my garden, so I'm kind of into the I was going to say gardening. that. You're talking to a gardener here yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a bit of a plantaholic. Are you? Yeah. Uh, so I kind of go into the garden centre, I end up buying all this stuff, and then I go home thinking, how am I going to plant all of that stuff? But I do, I do love the garden. Yes. Um, so I, we kind of get our kicks out of that, or we go out for a nice meal, mm. um, you know, just go out during the day, or that kind of yeah. thing. I suppose because I'm out so much at night time, I love to be at home. I'm very much a home person. Mm. My home is my little haven. So I love to be at home um, even on a a Sunday night when it's, these cold dark nights are coming in and in the pyjamas glass of wine and you're watching pole dark sure. oh my ha- life God. couldn't get any better <laughs> that's, looking that's, at Aidan Turner now <laughs> on a Sunday night <laughs> he could be your money penny there you absolutely. are oh, absolutely mm, for sure, oh absolutely for sure now tell us about this new show because it's really exciting you're heading to a new venue Taylor's Three Rock Rat Farnham yes we're heading there uh, it's actually um, funny enough I used to um, dance there in the 70s when I was a young one and I actually had hips that could swivel um, but that it was actually a big venue everybody around Dublin and from the country would have travelled to Taylor's Three Rock um, so you always made sure when you went in you you tried to suss out a fellow who had a car because if not you were walking home needless to say I was walking home most nights myself oh but anyway. no June come on <laughs> 
But you could see the five to two rush. You could see the fellas looking, going, now it's finishing at two o'clock, so I have to pick something up now before I see. Then it was called that, are you getting up? Are you getting up? No, you're getting up. And of course, if the one beside you said, I'm not getting up, well, you weren't going to get up because, you know, you were second choice. But anyway. The five to two rush. To I two haven't rush. heard of that yeah, one before now. Yeah. So anyway, what happened was, um, uh, as you know, I've been in uh, the Red Cow for the last 17 years and Taylor's contacted me and said, listen, I'd love you to come and see the, sh- uh, see the room. Which I did, and it was actually—it's actually the room where Dragon's Den is filmed from okay. on RTE. Um, so I went up, and I love the room straight away. There's something different, um, very rustic, um, wooden floorboard beams, you know, the the wall stripped back. So it's something something completely different to present the show in. Yes. Um, so I said great, and they said they would give me whatever days I wanted. So I've decided to go up there. It's just at the Dundrum exit um, off the M50. Number 13. Exit yes. 13. It's only a hop from the northeast. It really it, is. It actually is, yeah. yeah. Um, and what we're going to do, we're going to do 14. We're opening on the end of November up until New Year's Eve. But we've decided to do some afternoon shows because some people don't want to travel. or People who are, are travelling from the country up might want to go home that night. Mm. Now, there is a hotel nearby that is doing special deals for people who want to stay stay overnight um, actually we have a guy in the in the cast um, Gavin Quigley um, and uh, Gavin actually has to travel from Monaghan all the way over every day but like he said he's so used to that road yes yeah it's a dawdle, yeah, so it is. Yeah. Now, tickets are available on Eventbrite. Eventbrite, that's where it is for tickets nowadays. Yeah. June Rogers, go into Eventbrite, June Rogers, and you'll see the show there from the 30th of November to the 31st of December. And it's a right rocking, rollicking Christmas show, as usual. Yeah, well, it's something there for everybody. Yes. They're doing music from the 60s, 70s and 80s, fully costumed, full cast. And it's a nice of that I want everyone to just sit back, relax and enjoy, and a four-course meal. And I'm doing the washing up after. And how is Jacinta? Is she ready to go? Uh, no, she's not allowed there. She's barred. <laughs> Me costume's embroidered in very good taste. Me hair it is combed and me pumps they are laced. Rigor mortis sets in from me head to me waist. When I'm ready to do Irish dancing. Me dancing, it's true, it's not great to view. It looks like I'm dying to go to the loo. The judge at the fest says I haven't a clue, so I think I'll give up Irish dancing. <laughs> <laughs> She's very bold, isn't she? She's shocking bold. <laughs> oh, she's ferociously bold. But you know something. We love her. Yeah, we do. We do love her, and we love you too. Oh, I have to you. say that all these years that you've entertained thousands upon thousands of people every Christmas and right through the year as well. Thanks yeah. so much. You've oh, thank you. Brought light and, and happiness listen, to so, so many much. people. And thank you for inviting me down. Oh, here not at all. We're delighted to have you, and thank I you. wish you well with this Christmas show. Thank you. And folks, check her out. And by the way, in advance. Very special happy birthday, 2019. Oh, thank you very much. She's 40. Imagine <laughs> she's the, and 40. And still looking 18. And you know she what looks I mean? 18. As you can see, Absolutely. The scaffold has just moved in. <laughs> <laughs> June Rogers, it's been a tonic. Thank, thank you for you joining me much. on the show. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> And late lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Max Kike from Bettystown in County Meath is on the line. Afternoon, Max. 
Afternoon. Thank you for joining me on the show. Congratulations, you're getting married. I am eventually, yes. Um, uh, what date? After, uh, the 7th of December we're getting married. Who are you marrying? Uh, Joanne Burke, um, originally from Bedistan. And how long have you been going out together? Uh, she'll probably say too long, and I'll say just the right, the right amount of time. I think over 10 years. Oh, God, 10 years. So at this stage, there's no doubt. There's definitely no doubt. <laughs> Good man, Max. Where did you meet her? Can you remember it so long ago? Oh, it was more in the pub in Mornington. Ah, where love stories begin, Bio. No better place than there. Anyway, good luck for the wedding on the 7th of December. But I'm talking to you for a different reason. You had a stag when? The bank holiday weekend gone by, was it? Just gone, yeah. On, um, just gone now, yeah. The bank holiday weekend. Where did you go to? We went down to a little village in County Kerry called Clahan. Um, it's the far side of Dingham. Okay, and how many of you went? There was eight of us uh, uh, took took adventure down there, um, a few from the Midlands, but most from uh, the Drogheda region or the Drogheda area. And your dad was with you, was he? Yeah, yeah he's considered one of my friends. OK, of course. You're, who, if you can't say your father's your best friend, you can't say anything, in my opinion, in life. So off you go down there, and how long were you down there for? How long did you stay? Uh, we stayed until the Monday, so the three nights. OK, great. So you, a, a nice weekend you made out of it. Now, this became a stag with a difference because I think you have a very unique story to tell. Going there, you have a family connection going back to World War Two. Tell us about this. So um, the kike or the, the family name or the the reason we are in Ireland is because my granddad was in a, on a, a reconnaissance mission in uh, World War Two, and his aircraft or the aircraft he was travelling in uh, crash-landed on Mount Brandon um, in County Kerry. Um, they all survived the flight um were taken in shelter in O'Connor's guest house at the in the village of Clahan and um were then interned in the Curra um and then repatriated when the war was war was over. But in the in the period that they were interned in the Curra, uh, my granddad uh, met my granny. Okay. So while he was in the Curra he met her there. Why was was there a bit of a freedom of movement? Could he go out or what? Uh, they they had a, a loose enough lead, not at the start that they, they they figured they were trying to figure each other out and then as the trust developed the, the, the lead or the leash was loosened and um, they had the, the rain then of the cura. Okay, so there was a bit of leeway there and a love story began there that eventually led to them getting married and settling here in Ireland. Correct, in Mornington, Tower Road in Mornington. Yeah. There you go, isn't this an amazing story? So he was flying with the Luftwaffe and the plane came down, they survived and uh, the rest is history at this stage. Now, bring us up to date. This is the reason you guys actually went there for the stag. But th- it wasn't just to visit the spot where the plane came down. Tell us what you did. Um, so I've, I've summited the mountain on a few occasions and I'm probably every occasion I can never cr- find the crash site. There's a there's a, a motor still left up there, an engine part still left up there and any time I, I walk the mountain I seem to always miss it. So I said the last time on my way down that wouldn't it be like nice little thing to have a bench there that people could sit and, and, and reflect and have it's a beautiful view looking out over the bay and I said it would just be, just be nice to just to honour the, the, the crash site and honour the, the memory or the, 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 the whatever, yeah, to honour it. Yes. So um, Stag was coming up 
you know, you have your traditional, let's go to whatever, Galway, or let's go to on a ski trip, or let's go mental somewhere and then forget about it and, and move on. And I said, well, you know, I have eight really close friends. I said, good lifters, you know, good, good strong lads. Um, you know, let's, let's lift the bench up to the crash site. And that's what we did. So you had a bench made, and there's a little plaque on the bench I see as well. What does that say? Uh, you're going to have to read it out to me um, from a few pints I had over the uh, <laughs> Look, at, I can't read it because I'm looking from a distance as well. So oh, that leaves two of us I- I- in the one boat. But look, at, there is a little well, endorsement. Your, your, list, your listeners should, should take the, the, the opportunity to hike up and have a look. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a little, um, it's a memory of my granddad and yes. his arrival and uh, to take reflection uh, upon sitting on the bench. Absolutely. Look, and, and that's it. And uh, it, it acknowledges what happened there way back in the 40s as well. So this bench was carried up, what is it, over 3,000 feet, was it? Yeah, with the crash site itself is probably at 600 metres above sea level and then the summit is at 900. Okay. The, be- the bench weighed over 100 kilos. So it's a, it's a very uh, open space where the crash site is. And, um, you know, I didn't want to get um, anything non-substantial so this bench is made here in 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 the midlands in it's made from a uh, recycled plastic and it's it's uh, over 100 and i'd say 140 150 kilos of weight and uh, plan a was that we would get a quad uh um, put it onto the quad you know the eight of us would walk up behind the quad put the bench down have a have a toast and then and then summit and then be in dingle for lunchtime but plan a didn't work out the quad get got um Beached them and the terrain was too rough, so mm. um, the eight of us uh, took it in rotation to to lift the bench. Um, it took us over three hours then to get it to the location. Oh my God! Like that is some feat, isn't it? That you took turns to carry that weight on your shoulders up over six hundred meters to right beside where some of the debris still remains uh, from the crash there. And there it is. I'm looking at the picture. I can't read the little plaque naturally, but I can see the bench and I see your dad sitting on it beside yourself. Is that it? Yeah, that's right. That's correct. God, it's beautiful. It's some feat to carry it up there. I'll tell you one thing. You know, nowadays we worry about vandalism or stuff being stolen. That seat won't be leaving that mountain. Well, we we have it pegged down, and it's it's a weight in itself. So yeah, um, yeah, it won't it won't move any. The fear is that it would sink. Yeah, that is for sure. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful story. And and what a thing to do to remember your granddad and those men at this time, all these years later, to tie it in, to tie it in with uh, your stag and and this happy time for your family as well. Yeah, thank you very much. No, it is. I I really love it. I really do love it. Um, Your grandfather and uh, gran, her name was Lily, was it? Yeah, Lily White was her name um, from Kildare. Right, and did she learn? Did she become fluent in German? Um, not really, or she didn't let on she did. She was anyway because uh, my granddad sometimes spoke in German, and um, I think she understood a lot. Yes, she, let, she understood more than she let on anyway. Yeah, and and when you look back at their lives, just to reflect a little, they had a brief courtship, and they married in 1943, but they were separated then. They were separated when they, he was interned then, so they, they or not interned, sorry, were patriots back to Germany. Yes. Head count was done, and then the war was officially over, and um, then they came back to Ireland and, and lived. 
out the rest of her life. Yeah, and, and just to, to, to talk a moment about when they were separated, she had a little baby boy at that stage when yeah, he so was taken my, away, yeah, the, the, the yeah, dad. My, my uncle Wolfgang, who lives in uh, in Morrison, uh, was born and then she had uh, two other children, then my auntie and my dad then. Okay, yes, so, and that was, he was away for five years before they got back together. Correct. God, it was, it, it was tough times, wasn't it, for them? It was, it was war, it was war. Yes, yeah, yeah, in the middle of, 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 of the last great conflict uh, involving enough, a lot of people in Europe. Um, why mourning, Chenna, why settle in East Meath? What's the link? Um, I think my uncle uh, came back, so my uncle Roskang was a pilot for Aer Lingus, um, and he was living in the area, and they, my dad and our, my they all, all the my aunt, my auntie, my uncle, and my dad uh, recognised or saw a property or a, there was a cottage for sale on Tower Road, mm. and um, that was it. Then it was just they decided this was it. This is where they'd put down their roots and where your yeah, and where all your family roots are. They only passed away both of them they, within a short space of time. What in was it? Twenty ten, nine ten, ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, August and November in 2010 so my granny oh. first in August and then my granny in November My God almighty isn't that something else eh? not long that passed how does your dad feel about this? Yeah, I'd say he feels tired at the moment <laughs> <laughs> um, After the lift no, and the hike yeah, up the mountain and back down of course yeah No it was it was an unbelievable achievement and you know I'd like to take this opportunity to thank them all because you know it's not something you could have you could have organised it possibly with a helicopter, but no better men to lift it up there. Um, yeah. And I'd like to thank all the lads to know who they are. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a tremendous feat to, to do this, and it'll be there forevermore, amen, for people to visit as well. You've done something really special. Now, you're not based in the northeast. I know yourself at the moment. You have a business in Tullamore, yeah? Correct, yes. Um, I work for a company called KMK Metals in the, in the Midlands. Yeah. And what do you do there? Um, we recycle eighty percent of Ireland's electrical waste, so anything with a plug or battery is recycled here in Tullamore. Really, and you employ quite a number of people. I believe you're increasing the workforce force all the time. Yes. Yeah, we hit a hundred people yesterday. So yesterday we hit or came came out hit for the first time a hundred people. So. My God, that is a landmark. But it does show you, and you know, in the context of all we're hearing about where the planet's going if we don't take action and the loss of wildlife, that's just horrendous we've heard about this week. This has to be to w- the way to go, isn't it? Oh, recycling. Ireland as a nation has embraced recycling and um, any targets that uh, the, the island's been tasked with, um, we're hitting them head on. Yeah. So um, Ireland has a, an obligation or the... Ireland as a, as a population has an obligation to hit a certain yeah. target in, in recycling and especially in electrical waste and uh, we're achieving that um, hand over fist, we're doing very well no, that, is, that is really good to hear Back to the stag um, you were pretty weary, you were saying to me your dad is, I asked you how your dad is feeling and you said tired did that sum up uh, the rest of the crew as well there were younger men there they, it, it took a bit to do what they did, did you have a, a, a wee rest and a celebration that evening, yes? Uh, we had a wee rest uh, we had a, we, unfortunately my brother-in-law Ian couldn't make it but he d- Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. from He owns a bar over in Austria and sell him called Irish Bar. And he donated uh, some Jägermeister. So um, there was a, a toast at the summit of a, a Jägermeister. And then the traditional stag activity, if you like, started then as soon as we hit Dingle. OK, so this was done. You were there for, what, three nights, you said? Was this done early in the visit the first day? So um, we arrived down late Friday evening. Yeah. Had a bite to eat in O'Connor's and then summited or brought the bench up Saturday. Yes. Saturday evening, then we went across the Connor Pass into Dingle and, and, and spent two nights then in Dingle. Lovely, lovely, lovely. And a great weekend was had by all. I think this is brilliant. It's a wonderful story. And uh, we spotted it on Draha de Life. Well done to Draha de Life for, for that story and Andy there. And Andy. delighted to get you today to talk to you about it and tell more people about this wonderful gesture stretching back to World War Two and your grandfather, Court Kike, who uh, crashed there uh, in the war and survived to tell the tale. And look at what's happened since with the family as well. Well done to you. Thank you for taking time uh, to You're talk to good. us, Max, today. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks again. Thanks. Take care. Bye bye. That's Max Kike there. What a story that is, folks. It's just a great, great one. It really is. And I wanted you to hear it on late lunch this uh, uh, Wednesday. Sorry, Thursday afternoon. I'm a day behind myself. First of November. Run into Christmas now for sure. Thank God. That bombardment of explosives is over for another year, I have to confess to you. I love Halloween and for the children and trick-and-treaters. I hate it for the fireworks and all that nonsense that goes on. And I'm delighted it's over. I really am. And I'm sure I speak for quite a few people there. And I'm not being a killjoy, but at times it just is ridiculous. And uh, I said it yesterday when we had the crash, it eased off. Beirut disappeared because I described it to Beirut when the war was going on there uh, during the Tiger years. There wasn't a peep out of them when there wasn't a bob in the country and now they're back again in force. It's something I don't welcome with Halloween. Anyway, that's my soapbox piece on Late Lunch for this afternoon. Stay with us. Heading to a short break. Late Lunch, LMFM Radio. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. 
A late comer to the writing game, but she certainly made waves since her first book was published after she turned 40. Described in a review by one of our newfound readers as mesmerising, emotional, eloquent and enduring, the Book of Love does exactly what it says on the cover as you turn the pages. I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch this afternoon, Fanula Carney. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. It's great Not to be here. at all. It's great to have you with us because I know you're on a visit to your home. Well, you're not at home here in the, in the North East. You're a good bit from... You were born in Cork, raised in Dublin, yes? That's right, yeah. And you're living? I'm living in England, yeah. Where? Just outside London, Ascot with the Gigi's. Yeah. Oh, lovely, lovely. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. part of the world. Beautiful part of the world. We're very lucky. Very lucky indeed. Um, having said that, this is home. You know, it's always home. It never changes, My Irish passport. Absolutely. (laughs) And nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Hanging on to that. Hang on to it now. (laughs) Hang on to it tightly, Fanula. Anyway, The Day I Lost You was the first one, your debut, followed by You, Me and Other People. Other way round. Sorry, I beg your pardon. No, no. You're right. I'm just looking at here. (laughs) Dyslexia is a terrible thing, isn't it? You, Me and... No, it's not. It's People are very talented that have it. You, Me and Other People, The Day I Lost You and now The Book of Love. You know, family, relationships, the frailty of us humans. It's all in there. But you see, you have a great CV, haven't you, to back this up from your own family background? I have. I'm I'm one of seven. Uh, so I have six siblings. And uh, yeah, we're all mad as a box of frogs. <laughs> and uh, I think that's, you know, commonplace with Irish families, you know, coming with big numbers of us, all very different, all disparate lives now. But um, yeah, background... Um, has helped me, I think, but also in my own my own family. I'm mm. a mother of two, and I've been married a long time. And you you do you know the older you get, the more you start looking at people and realizing we're all flawed. Mm. <laughs> well, listen, actually, yeah. wouldn't it be a boring world if that weren't the case? And let me tell you, this beautiful young woman is a grandmother as well. <laughs> We've been chit chatting. I was four and a half having my first child. I, I tell okay. you what, <laughs> look, that sounds about right as we sit here today. But you know what? I'll let you into a little secret. And the publishers are here with us as well today. Fanul and myself were just waxing lyrical about grandchildren before we, we came there. You're a little girl, yes? I have a five year old granddaughter. What's her name? Her name is Esme. Esme oh. Jane Walker. She's um, not listening, probably well, you know, but she'll hear but the podcast. She, yes, let's listen to the podcast. She Esme, will. I adore you. Uh, <laughs> Grand does love you. What does she call you? She calls me Nanu. Oh, Nanu. Isn't that lovely? Oh, that reminds me of a TV programme many mm, moons ago. Mark and Mindy, yes. Nanu, Nanu. But it's yes. more because we just couldn't bestow mm. Nana Fanulu. Nan- See, I can't even say it. <laughs> Nana Fanulu. <laughs> Nana Fanula on any child is just too much. So and I was going to slag the Brits about not pronouncing your own name and she can't do it herself. I was only joking. Oh. But look, Fanula is a lot to get around. Do you have that difficulty with your name when people... Well, no. I, as I said, we, I live in England and um, in fact, when I did get the publishing deal I said to Harper Collins to the you know the powers that be so w- what will I be called because I assumed that I would be you know something more pronounceable especially mm. you know on over on on to mainland and uh, <laughs> but no you know Fanula Carney is who I am and who I want to be and people manage it it's yes. not easy you know mm. they look at the words and they and <laughs> yes and when I was in the working world before I became a, a novelist in England I remember ages and ages ago getting a fax pre pre emails and getting a fax with vanilla kiwi on it and 
the irony is that it actually reached me. <laughs> really? <laughs> Holy yeah. God. So, yeah, vanilla kiwi. It's brilliant. It's mm. absolutely brilliant. You mentioned in, in, in other aspects of your life because writing has come late to you. But before that, you have an interesting CV. You've done a number of things in your life, mm-hmm. haven't you? Last thing was you were involved in property before you... That's right. And that's probably all of my life in Is England. It? Yeah. Um, and in, in some shape or form, I worked in the property world, latterly in a sort of a home-finding um, role where... I describe it as Phil and Kirsty without the cameras. <laughs> so, yeah, where I, I actually effectively found homes for people. And it was a wonderful life, yeah. a wonderful job for many, many years until mm. I just got that feeling, you know, that Sunday night feeling where, oh, I don't want to go to work in the morning. And I'd always wanted to write. And luckily, about 10 years ago, just had, you know, a lucky break where I didn't have to work for a living anymore. Okay, and, and, and that facilitated yeah. this new mm, career of yours. Exactly. You also worked in insurance as a secretary and as a model. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's about about three decades and three stone ago, I think. <laughs> You're being but... <laughs> too cruel on yourself. Will you stop the lights? But it was a very long time ago. And What type uh, of modelling? Uh, I was too short to do catwalk, so lo- all photographic, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, um, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, you have many strings to your bow, yeah. you see, <laughs> that you can pull into this uh, new career of yours. Yeah. You mentioned 10 years ago uh, you were facilitated that you could leave the property game and go into the writing. So did you just start writing one day or had you dabbled at this previously? I'd always written from okay. the time I was in in school, I think. And it had always been, you know, in the times when I would read Maeve Binchy, you mm. know, novels and in days of old, I would always think I'd love to do that. And I think when I was a young mum, my outlet was just sitting down and dabbling and writing a short story if I if I did it. And actually in in the in that time my husband realized or my husband reminded me very recently that I had in fact done creative writing classes in England, you know, twenty five years ago. So it's always been there. Always been something I wanted to do. Um never really considered it seriously because I had an, I had a living to earn in the background, yeah. and uh, and then ten years ago this lucky break came up, and I was telling the girls from HarperCollins earlier that literally meant sitting down with a laptop on a Monday and going, oh my god. What next? <laughs> so it's some experience, isn't it? When you think, "What have I done?" Yeah, this is no longer certain. This life, and here I go on into but this unknown. But it was unknown. enormously exciting yes. as Why, well. Isn't it? You know, all, all I had to do was write a book. You know, <laughs> not one, two, but three. Yeah, now yeah. at this stage, can I say something to you from? Observation. You are an astute observer of life. You know, you're a near wigger. Might I even say you're a bit nosy? Um, yeah, <laughs> possibly. Um, I'm. I love. I love dialogue. Mm. You know, even in my books, my books are quite dialogue heavy. And um, you're not likely to have reams and reams of sort of you know descriptive paragraphs. Yes. Um. For me, I love listening to people. I love, you know, whether it's standing in a queue in the supermarket or, you know, listening to the radio or whatever. That's where my inspiration comes from. It's how people talk to each other and it's what they're saying to one another, why they're saying it. And, you know, I can be 
I can be inspired by the the simplest thing of somebody throwing a cigarette on the floor or something yeah. and I'll yeah. say, why did That's they what do I'm that? Saying. What's, you do observe. Yeah. And I'd say of the type of one, I'd be at this, uh, I'm heading on the train a little later myself today. I try to put myself in the train where I can hear conversations. Exactly. It's amazing what you pick up yeah. from people, isn't it? Yeah, it You're is. like that. That's it you, is. is I, it? I'm yeah. a bit of a sponge yes. when it comes That's to... The, no, yeah. that really sums it off. I don't yeah. mean you're nosy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm that too, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Who isn't? Who isn't? So 40 is sort of where life... They say life begins at 40. Do you feel like that now with this... I, I mean, I mean this, this career that I've been lucky enough to have, you know, because actually I was published really you know, more late 40s, yes. if I'm really honest, because I had to have what I call my um, my sort of years of, of trying and dabbling before anything happened. And it took me seven years to, in fact, um, get a, an agent and get a deal. So I was, I was writing without having any income, just having support from my husband for that period mm. um, before before things started to happen. So it was actually more my late 40s. And... Um, I think, you know, I, I, I've, I've said to Aidan, my other half, you know, when it happened first, oh, gosh, this was supposed to happen at 40, you know. And he said to me, but you wouldn't have been able to write the book then. And that's true. You know, I like to think that what I am writing now comes from a place that perhaps I wouldn't have been able to write yes. 15 years ago. Now, Harper Collins are a mighty publisher to have in your they corner. Are. They really are. They are. When you pitched to them, did you pitch to them alone or did you send it out or did they come back to you? How did that happen? And what did that feel like when you get the call to say hello? Oh, just magical. I still remember it really well. I mean, you you, you can't really pitch uh, an, un, you know, um, a novel just willy-nilly to the publisher. You have to go through an agent. Mm. So the first thing as a, as a wannabe writer is that you have to attract the attention of an agent. So when you're submitting your work, it's first and foremost to an agent because you know that they can... They're sort of like the gatekeepers to the, yes. the, the, the bigger publishers. And um, you know that if you manage to get an agent who has faith in you, they have their ear to what is commercial and more often than not, then you will get a deal, although not always. And um, so, yeah, I signed with an agent. I, uh, I know it was December and I think I got a deal the following March. So, yeah, that phone call. What there's, a not, there's nothing like it. Yes. You know, a close second would be when you get the book in your hand and ah. you run your fingers along the spine and see your name and, and you smell see it, it there yeah. on the bookstands yeah. and the bookshop. I often say that must be just the most it's wonderful incredible. feeling. And, and, you know, it's something that you're always nervous about, you know, sending a book baby out into the world, you know, for people to read. But at the same time, it's a magnificent feeling to be able to do it. Fanula Carney's on Late Lunch this afternoon with me. The book is called The Book of Love. I love the colour and I love the gold on the cover and everything. It's really catching, may I say. It's my favourite cover, I have to say. It's really like pickupable. It's It's, different to the other two. It's different to the other two. It is in style and... Classy. uh, Yeah, and it's it's not embossed. It's the opposite. What is it? It's like... um, Indented. Indented. (laughs) But it's lovely. Where did that come from? (laughs) That came out of the stratosphere somewhere. Anyway, tell us about this book, Falling in Love. Uh, Let me quote, Falling in love is easy, but staying in love, I suppose that is the big conundrum for... It is. You know, this this book spans um, a couple's long marriage and it's something I really wanted 
to write about for quite a long time, actually. My my debut, which is You, Me and Other People, was about a marriage and free fall and mm. everything falling apart. And I think with this one, I wanted to write about a love story with longevity. Um, a real love story, which doesn't mean it's easy. You mm. know, they're, you know, life, especially over a long period of time is, you know, it's bumpy. It's bumpy. Exactly that. There's the good times. There's the bad times. And um, yeah, so this is really a couple who are a very normal couple who meet, fall in love, have this really instant attraction. Everybody telling them they're you know too quick, slow down, you know, and they get married and they really just say, no, we know what we're doing. And um, the Book of Love comes from um, where... Erin, who's the main female character, she gets given a wedding present by her father. And um, Do they marry hastily? They do marry hastily. They do marry hastily. And uh, I think that's why a lot of the people around them um, are sort of a bit, ooh, slow down a bit. Yeah. But, uh, the book. Come back to the book that they yeah, get. This yeah, is so, an unusual yeah, gift from so her father. It is, and you know, uh, it, it was basically he he he's given them sort of like a leather bound notebook, effectively, and says to them, you know, if you use it like your mum and I did, it it is just where you'll write to one another. When sometimes you'll write down the things that are hard to say. And Aaron and Dom, when they get this, almost snigger, you know, they almost tee-hee because they think there's never going to be a moment in life where we can't eyeball each other and just say whatever it is is on our mind. But then life blindsides you and sometimes there are moments when you can't Is this written close to home from somebody you know? Um... Not the not the sort of idea behind it, but I think it's 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 about it's not just about love. It's about communicating and how that actually alters over a long period of time and what couples needs are within communication. Mm. And I think that's something I really wanted to explore. And, um, you know, it's it's not a personal thing. Dom and Dom and Aaron are not Aidan and I. But um, I do know from being married a long time that sometimes, you know, something can happen and you think, how am I going to talk about that? Mm. And that's the thing that fascinated me. The premise of the book. Can I say this? It's very emotional. And I'd say for a lot of people reading this book, it's like a mirror. You could nearly in a way see aspects of most people's lives coming back at you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well... I don't believe, I have yet to meet couples who have a completely, you know, straight narrative if they're together a long Mm. time. As we said earlier, you know, the bumps. And the bumps, you know, the issues that happen a couple over, over, uh, you know, a long marriage are things that we all have in common. You know, they can be things to do with family, they can be things to do with money, they can be things to do with health, or they can be all three or all four or whatever. And um, yeah, definitely they they provide emotional moments in the book. Women, I think especially, and I, I, yeah, I am being sexist here, I'll say <laughs> it. I, I think more so women this might resonate with. Is that fair? Um, I think so in one way, but in another way... I I sort of hope not, because I always write from a dual perspective. It's something that I do all of the time. So, um, and in this case, I write from Dom's point of view and also Erin's point of view. And it's very important to me when I'm writing a novel that whatever the story is, whatever the narrative is, that you hear from both people. Mm. So um, where I think, um, you know, 
women's fiction, to coin a phrase, is very sort of, you know, women issue driven. Um, so therefore might resonate with women. I'd like to think, you know, that there, mm. there might be a few male readers out there. Yeah, as no, well, no. Though. Listen, yeah. and you have one of them here that yeah. you're sitting across the, <laughs> yeah. the, the studio from today. But I, I'll let you into a little secret. I did speak to another woman who yeah. read this book yeah. cover to cover and she admitted to me that she cried yeah. on a number of occasions. I cried writing it. So. Did you? Did <laughs> yeah. you really? No, she told yeah. me this. She said to say this today, and I have her permission to say it. Yeah. She said that she cried, and in a way, at the end, she it set her thinking, really, really thinking, about her own relationship and her own life in a bigger way yeah. than perhaps any other book has in the past. What about that? Well, that's a lovely thing to hear, because, you know, what you want to do is you want to leave a reader with a story, but you also want to leave a reader thinking about the story and the characters and how it might resonate with them. That's that's really what you want to do. Mm. So that's, I couldn't hear anything better today. Thank you no, for that. I, well, thank I, her. I wanted to tell you that. I, yeah. I really did. Um, how do you write? You know, you mentioned the first day uh, and that uh, feeling of, oh, I'm yeah. starting today. The yeah. laptop's in front of me. I go. Yeah. Where do I go? How do I go? What way do you write? How I do still you? have those <gasps> moments. <you>? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, even three books in. Absolutely. You do. And you have moments of being frozen and you need to take a long walk and think, you know, what's happening and, you know, in order to free things up. But really, I write very much, you know, writing is my career slash job now. So I do do it very much. like I treat it like a job. So whilst it's not nine to five mm. and whilst it gives me a lot of flexibility, um, I do write every day. Um, so I will go into the office, sometimes in my pyjamas, admittedly, um, and I will sit down and I will reread what I've written the day before, the last chapter or the last however many thousand words. Usually have a little dabble with that. And, um, and then I'll just keep going. Mm. And uh, I'm more of a more of a pantser than a plotter, i.e. I fly by the seat of my pants a little. I always know the beginning, the middle, the end, and some of the bits in between. But I also like to have the freedom of the flexibility of, you know, just yes. seeing where this takes me. Yes. And that does mean that, you know, writing like that, I have to do quite a few drafts mm. to get to the final one. But I love working like that. I'm just thinking it doesn't matter whether you're in your pyjamas or anything <laughs> at all. When, you, when you've been a model, sure. Ah! <laughs> Yeah, as I said, three decades ago. It really doesn't. (laughs) Are you a bursty type, though, or do you set to something and set yourself deadlines and say, I'm going to finish, or does it drag on like an endless piece of string? No, I I really genuinely know, you know, the bottom line is there's 100,000 words in a book, and on first draft particularly, I will set myself, you know, weekly word count titles, or targets, rather, and... um, nine out of ten times I'll stick to that Mm. and sometimes I'll exceed it and sometimes it'll be like pulling teeth but most times it's it's a very easy process and particularly if you enjoy writing the story which I really did on this case Do you know this group called Prime Rights? Yeah, Prime Writers Writers, sorry, will you give them a mention you better today because they played a part in this Yeah, they do, they they play you know, writing is such a solitary existence that you do need um, support so the Prime Writers are a group of writers that all actually were published in um, post-40. So published in the traditional sense, I mean. Yes. And um, yeah, so we were a group who met up through just having that in common. And since then, we've become sort of 
beta readers for each other where we read each other's work en route, you know, prior to, you know, read drafts, etc. for one yes. another. And also just great support um, on social media, great support when books are out. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very important to have your buddies there in the background. Absolutely. Look at the new community and family you're part of now. Look yeah. what's opened up for you. Life does begin. It does. It really Absolutely. does. And you're the epitome of it. The Book of Love by Fanula Carney. It's beautiful. Oh, and thank you. I think you're great. I really oh, do. Well, Honestly. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, thanks a million. The Mutual Admiration Society has taken <laughs> off once again here at late lunch this afternoon. Anyway, it's available everywhere. We have a copy to give away and she's going to sign it for you. Absolutely. Personally. Uh, here's the question. The Book of Love. What is the Irish word for love? The Irish word for love. Three little letters... And oh, Vanula. Anyway, text your answer now with your name and details to 086 1800 658 WhatsApp or text Vanula Carney. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. He's from Summerhill in County Meath and he's been named the Meath Carer of the Year for 2018 and he joins me on the line. Daryl Fitzgerald, good afternoon. How you doing, Jerry? How's things? I'm good. Thank you very much for taking our call today. Let me say congratulations to you. Thank and you. I, uh, It's really, really well deserved. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You were uh, working your way on a, a carer course, was it to become a carer, yes? I was, yeah. And then... Um I had done a, a fitness course previous to that, and then um, um, when I realised my grandfather needed uh, looking after, I I had to um, had to drop the course because he needed full care, full time. Okay, and what age was he? He was eighty-eight. And w- what was he living with? He had a difficult time with his health, had he? Yeah, sorry, yeah, he had vascular dementia. All oh, right, so okay, okay. And you decided to leave the care of course behind and go and care for your granddad and your gran, was it as well, yes? Yeah, yeah. And because yeah, I realised that that's I was basically doing it full time anyway. You know? Yeah. So why not do it for your family and for people that needed it at at the time they did? That's it, yeah. <laughs> so he 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 had dementia. Was was he there at times? Did he know you at times? You know what I'm saying? Um, well, he he knew of me, so he forgot that I was his grandson. But but he knew that he knew me, so he used to always call for his man. You know, he'd call me his man. Okay. And um, so whenever he wanted anything, or if he was getting. Getting confused or anything? Yes. Call for me, you know. Okay, so he knew you were there, maybe without knowing your name. And was this a yeah. gradual thing with the dementia, or did it just hit him quickly? Um. Well, yeah. It, it took. Um, it takes its effect over time, you know. It, it's you. You slowly. You're slowly watching the person. You know, yes. Uh, slip away, you know. Yeah, yeah. So when when you went in there, he had the dementia and he needed uh, a lot of care and attention. Yes. A fair bit, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he, he kept a lot of his independence up to the end, and I'm, I'm happy with that, you know. Yeah, okay. And and what about your, your nan? Um, you, you were her carer as well. Uh, did she need assistance? Um, not as much. She's, she, she's a little bit more stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's the independent. 
<laughs> I'm you sure she'll. It. I'm sure she'll love you saying that. All right, for sure. You could be <laughs> sacked. You could be gone. That's it. Yeah. Uh, she's more of a social life than I have. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Sadly, your grandfather passed away. When? In May of this year. Okay. Uh, and are you still caring for your granny? Is she? Are you still her carer? Ah, she's caring for me. Uh, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah, I am at the moment. Yeah, yeah, you are looking after her as well. Do you mind me asking, what age are you? 28. So you're a young fella, you know what I mean, looking after grandparents as well. What did your own parents think of this arrangement? Oh, they were very proud when when I said I'd step up to the job, you know. Mm. And, <laughs> and it was your mam actually who nominated you for this, yes? Yeah, yeah, well, she she was a great help, you know. She was always giving me time off, you know, at weekends and all. Um, she would help with giving lifts as well. So, yeah. you know, so I wasn't alone and I had a lot of help, you know. Yeah, so what, what she did, she stood in and helped uh, to give you a break from, from the care as well yeah. of them. Um, I had so, a lot of support, yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure that's what's needed, isn't it, when people find themselves in this situation. The, it helps, yeah. Yeah, the, the whole... Um, area of dementia it's tough isn't it to see somebody not knowing you somebody who once loved you and knew you well and we're yeah. here to be drifting away it can't be easy can it no not at all no and there's loads out there that that have experienced it you know so mm. like um like i feel like i got lucky with this award because there's thousands of carers out there that deserve it that you don't know, so get the recognition is that what you're saying it, yeah. to me yeah you know, so many people go above and beyond Every day and get no recognition. They're the real heroes. Yeah, but look at like, you know you are you are the nominee for me this year. So don't take away from that. You've won <laughs> it. You've won the county title. What did that involve? Tell us what you had to do. Your mother nominated you. What was the process then? Well, I just got a phone call one day out of the blue saying I had won it, and <laughs> I didn't know. So um, I suppose I had a. It was a presentation in King's Care Plus Pharmacy in Enfield last Friday. Okay. That's where um, I was presented the award. Yes. And I got... I was um, presented with a few gifts as well from King's Care Plus Pharmacy and Enfield Blossoms donated a lovely bouquet as well. Yeah. For me, Nan. And, um, and the National Care of the Year Award should be in the Western Hotel on the 23rd. So... That's another day out there for another the, big day for you, is right? Yeah. And you don't have to do anything. You were just nominated. They took your story, they considered uh, it, yeah. and you've been awarded the Mead uh, title now. And you go to the national one on the same basis. There's nothing else to be done. You'll be considered with all the other counties in Ireland, and a winner will be picked. Is that it? That's that's it. Yeah, that's right. Have you the glad rags ready for the big day? <laughs> Oh, that's it, yeah. <laughs> You'll have to get into the uh, the old tucks and, and, and get dolled up for that one. That's it, yeah. Well, you, you, besides now, you look, you're looking after your granny and that as well, and you were studying to be a carer and going that route. Is is that where you're going with your, your career? Is that what you'd like to do eventually, to go back into the mainstream care? Yeah, well, now that I have, um, now, now I have free time, I, I can go back to, to studying again, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm generally, uh, I'm looking into that, yeah. Mm-hmm. There must be great satisfaction in looking after people and you get close to people and that as well and get to know them, yeah. Oh, it was brilliant getting mm. to know them more, yeah. Mm. 
Well, listen, it's, it's, a, it's a great achievement. I want, I want to wish you well, and thank you for taking our, our short phone call today. I just want to Thanks acknowledge that you are the mead carer of the year, and well done to you for stepping in with your granddad and granny as well. You're a great fella, honestly. Thank you. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks Take for care of yourself. Not at all. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That's uh, the mead carer of the year there, Daryl Fitzgerald from Summerhill, and it's a great achievement for him, and he's going forward now uh, to the uh, National Awards. Now, let me tell you... Uh, Who's won what on late lunch this afternoon? The Irish word for love is graw. You have to have a father on your answer. No, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. G-R-A got you into the hat. Anyway, the winner of the Book of Love by Fanula Carney, who we were talking to a little bit earlier on, is Margaret Herity uh, from Drogheda this afternoon. Well done to you. We'll be in touch uh, on that one. That book is yours. It's signed by the author as well. And I have two winners uh, for the Crown Plaza. Yes, that Crown Plaza competition is terrific. Uh, the Rooftop Restaurant, a meal for two with a bottle of wine. Th- these two winners have that. And you're going into the hat tomorrow as well for the weekly prize draw because all five names go into the hat and one of you will be going to stay in there Suite there, yes, the suite, the uh, wedding suite there. It's absolutely beautiful for an overnight stay with breakfast also. Uh, how many bedrooms were there? One, two, eight, one, two, nine, or one, three. What did I say? Did I say one? I, well, I gave you three options anyway. I gave you three options. Uh, one was 130, 131, or 129. That's right. How many bedrooms in the Crown Plaza Hotel in Dundalk? There's 129. And you're a smart lot out there. Loads of you got it right on WhatsApp and text. So going to uh, the rooftop restaurant in the Crown Plaza in Dundalk for that meal for two with a bottle of wine are Pauline McSweeney from Kilpatrick in Navin and Erin Culligan. Well done to you, Erin Culligan. You go there as well. You both got the right answer. 129 bedrooms there. It's time for a song. I've done a lot of talking on the show today, haven't I? It's the wonderful Don Baker. To lose a love I've done it enough And I ought to know Then you came my way And tore away The fear and pain I won't lose again This time I know I've got a wiener in you There's no way I can lose The love I can hold on to Got a wiener in you I know how it feels When you Try and try again And then never win I know how that feels But this time around I finally found What it's all about A right song's about Waited, I feel 
The old, uh, the old sporting adage, form is temporary, class permanent, certainly applies to Mr Don Baker there. A wonderful, wonderful song, winner in you, almost bringing the curtain down on Thursday afternoon's late lunch. Yes, we've had a number of messages looking for the details. June Rogers' Christmas show. June with us, top of the show. What a lovely, lovely lady and warm lady she is. It's happening at Taylor's Three Rock Rat Farnham. It's exit 13 off the M50. It's just beside you there. It's a hop round from the northeast on the motorway there. And it begins on the 30th of November and runs to December 31st. And... Uh, a uh, five-star line-up there with June on the Christmas show. And if you want more details, I will give the number. It's 01494 That's 01494 for the June Rogers Christmas show 2018. Congratulations to our winners on the show this afternoon. Thank you to all my guests who joined me. And just to remind you, we'll round off the week on late lunch tomorrow, Friday. Up for the Cup, yes, Dundalk in the Cup final against Cork City on Sunday and we'll be talking to uh, supporters on late lunch tomorrow afternoon just getting their thoughts ahead of the big day. Cork City, the match, live here on LMFM Radio on Sunday afternoon with our own Adrian Taff and Tiernan Mulvena on match analysis with Adrian from the Aviva on Sunday. Don't miss that one and good luck to Dundalk in advance. Big, big day. They're going to win the double this year. What an achievement that would be. Also on tomorrow's show, we meet Grainne O'Neill. She has a story to tell. Uh, there's some local women from County Mead. They're taking on a motoring challenge in Mondello Park. They're with us on the show as well tomorrow and much more besides. So join us for your final late lunch of the week tomorrow from half past one. But for this uh, Thursday afternoon from everyone here, have a nice evening. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.